You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 166 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. In November of last year, uh, in 2017, I was officially invited to podcast the Altered Conference in Berlin. It's a way to alter your perceptions about things and look in a different direction and find new ways of behaving or find new ways of changing your behavior or find new ways of looking at a situation. That's what Alter is about for me, is just finding a way to consciously change. So if that's with psychedelics, if that's with bodywork, if that's with magic, if that's with sex, tarot, whatever, whatever it is, those are things that we want to explore. Alter is a consciousness explores. So however it is that you explore consciousness, we want to we want to be part of that. So our main website is alteredconference.com, and if you look up us, look us up on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, where we have representation there as well. This episode is the second part in this series, and in this one I will be talking to Patrick Everett. Patrick is a researcher of psychedelics, esotericism and philosophy. He has university qualifications in software engineering, computer security, philosophy and western esotericism. Currently his main research interests are the entogenic use of psychedelics by Western magicians, the phenomenon of contact with non-human intelligences mediated by ritualistic psychedelic use, and the ceremonial parameters conducive to producing long-lasting beneficial spiritual transformations using psychedelics. Okay, so now before uh, we get into my chat with Patrick, you'll hear a short snippet from his talk that he gave at the Altered Conference. By thanking the organizers of all the conference, Pat and Nina, this is a fantastic conference. Well done, and thank you so much. And thank all the volunteers and everyone else who's helping out. It's really, really great. And, and thanks for coming to the talk because this stuff is really important, I think, and not just for psychedelic researchers, but for the psychedelic community to have a forum to talk about these kind of things and to elevate the level of discourse beyond, you know, you tripping man, yeah, I'm tripping man. You know what I mean? We need more nuanced languages. So, yes, my name is Pacquiao. Something about these esoteric maps, uh, the I Ching, the Tarot, Alchemy, Kabbalah, 
also the chakras, Kundalini Yoga, Panchamanism. There's something about them. There's something universal about them, something archetypal about them, something fundamentally human about them. And that's why the same symbolic representations occur across time and space throughout human culture, irrespective of the place or the era. And that's why they're worth paying attention to. The shamanic model opens up to transcendence, the Eastern mystical models open up to transcendence. The standard Western religious models don't open up to transcendence as easily, but the Western esoteric models do. They're esoteric because they refer to inner realms of experience, of higher forms of knowledge. They're esoteric because they're hidden and secretive. They're hidden and secretive because they threaten dogmatic authority. They're hidden because they undermine blind faith, because they place the tools for the direct experience of the divine in the hands of the individual. Psychodiagnosis is directly opposed to faith. With psychedelics, you don't have to believe the impossible because with a good map of consciousness, you can use your intention to transcend the possible and experience the impossible. And a good map of consciousness helps us maintain our sanity, our safety, and our sense of proportion after we experience the possible and allows us to integrate that knowledge into our everyday life. Thank you for your attention. So thanks for being on the podcast. You're very welcome. So can you uh, briefly recap your talk earlier today? <laughs> Start with an easy question, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> it was basically about um, the necessity for having models or maps of metaphors or, or metaphors to describe um, the kinds of experiences or phenomenon we encounter in psychedelic experiences. Uh, and to use these maps as ways of um, framing and understanding our experience and for orienting ourselves towards the goal that we have for our experience. And uh, I outlined what I consider to be certain key features that a good map would have. Uh, and I drew inspiration from esoteric traditions and esoteric thinkers. So if you make a good map for your psychedelic experiences, could you use the same map, you think, for all different types of psychedelics? Uh, well, that would be something that you would determine by experiment. You would basically build a map and experiment. I mean, <clears throat> I see in retrospect, after with some of the things that people asked me afterwards, for example, was I should have probably emphasized more, you don't just build a map and then it's done, right? You, you revise it as you change, as time changes, and as you learn more about the landscape. Um, so I use the example of like population density maps, motorway maps, elevations of um, mountain maps. But the fact is these landscapes change. And, and so those maps, the map of population density from 10 years ago might not still be uh, accurate. Just like your map of your inner, uh, your, your own interior um, kind of, conscious realms will change as well and so you update your maps yeah you mentioned a few uh, esoteric traditions like alchemy and tarot mm -hmm. and uh, a few others is there one that you yourself work with in your own life absolutely uh, Telema which is the new religious movement founded by Alistair Crowley yeah um, and I find it um, 
very useful, very applicable, um, ideal for me for my own psychedelic explorations and uh, um, well, and also actually the the book, the psychedelic experience. I kind of actually used that in practice before and found that very applicable too. And I wanted something uh, more. a framework to allow me to develop my own language for myself and Crowley's work was by far the best thing that I encountered I don't know if it's uh, Crowley's fault maybe it's more <laughs> his fans uh, <laughs> but my uh, uh, like sporadic reading of Crowley's work and uh, encountering people who like Crowley it's all very like black and dark and it doesn't f- fit with the very um, well, it can be dark with psychedelics as well, but you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, the more I've used psychedelics, the more color I've uh, ent- uh, put into my own life. Mm-hmm. Well, it depends. I mean, you say sporadic reading Crowley. First of all, it depends what you read. Uh, but if you read what he considers his inspired works or his very technical works on magic, the philosophy of magic and mysticism, it's about light. I mean, it's it's a solar religion. Um. I mean, with regard to his fans, I mean, what, what can I say apart from there's, there's, when you take any group of people, whether they're psychonauts or, you know, pilots or plumbers, you're going to have assholes <laughs> in every group. Um, and people who don't get what it's about. And equally, uh, Crowley built a whole system of magical attainment, which basically... You, you to get the benefit from you can't dip into sporadically maybe for insight but to work his system it's almost like a four year degree course in magic and you know what I mean uh, and um, the idea of it being dark uh, that is normally you know like I say the more you read of Crowley the more you'll see that that's not actually there that's the image and so what I've discovered is a lot of people who come to Crowley or Crowley's work looking for dark stuff are freaked out by, like, why is there so much stuff about light and angels and God I came here looking for, you know, and Baphomet and all of this kind of stuff, you know? And equally, if you get into Crowley because um, you're following the, 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 the symbols of light that he uses, um, you're going to have to encounter some of the darker stuff too. And the whole point with a lot of Crowley's work is the inversion of symbols, taking symbols that were um, negative, uh, had negative connotations in what he called old Aeon religions, like Christianity, and giving them um, a a positive spin in the same, in basically like in a very um, real way, um, making it it sex positive, for example. That's where a lot of the symbolism is inverted because uh, it's to basically heal sexual repression that's implicit in a lot of mainstream Christian symbolism Um, yeah you mentioned a bit that with the maps you you can rely more on evidence than faith uh, in the sense that you know if you meet God in a psychedelic experience I mean you was it God who knows Uh, you know you don't really have the evidence for it but what about this problem that, I mean, can you really have evidence? Isn't everything just uh, your belief? You know, because even laws mm-hmm. of nature have changed over time. 
Right, but the, see, again, um, what I'm trying to say is uh, these maps are just like descriptions of laws of nature in mathematical or scientific models are just models. They don't. This is a misunderstanding of uh, scientific thinking, of the project of science that is very common in a lot of fields, especially um, esoteric and new age fields. Uh, science does not pretend to understand or explain these phenomena. It describes them in terms for, for making predictions. And a really good description is measured by how well it predicts things. It is not a statement about a, a true state of affairs. It's a description of a, of a, a process. Um, and so with regard to, okay, I, I meet God in a vision, what does it mean? I mean, you know, it has some value to yourself, but potentially. Um, but one of the things, you know, <clears throat> I had to quote from Crowley saying, don't take anything in these experiences at face value. In fact, it's very important not to attribute the meaning that they first seem to have. And evidence then is not going around trying to prove to people that you encountered God. The evidence is lived, basically, do you come back and <clears throat> integrate an insight that makes you a more evolved person, a more creative person, more um, uh, adapted to your situation? That's the proof. That's the evidence. And then the other thing then about, you know, um, to what level of reality or what kind of objectivity would we ascribe to the entities, for example, that we encounter, the information they give us based on measurement based on the evidence of an entity comes to you and says um, this X is going to happen, right? If X happens, that tells you something. If X doesn't happen, that also tells you something. And the thing would not be to go, well, a mushroom told me X was going to happen. It didn't happen, uh, but I believe it anyway. Just see what I mean? It's like, you know, um, the, the measurement is all part of it. And then you revise your map. The maps are not static. They're, they're revised all the time. I like this part where you said that it doesn't matter if it's real or not. And I, in my own spiritual practices, I have uh, certain ceremonial things I do when I do psychedelics in order to protect me from what you could call evil spirits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my view is that uh, it doesn't matter if uh, there are exist an evil spirits because you know if, if I make this protection and there are evil spirits I'm protected and if uh, there are no evil spirits then do, making this protection is like it's kind of like uh, brainwashing yourself into feeling protected so mm-hmm. then later on in the ceremony you're like yeah I'm protected so you don't think about that at least yeah and then so then you could go you could say a couple of things you could say well one you could test doing the same ceremony without that protective thing at start and take result, you know, recorded results afterwards and go, is there a noticeable difference? And in Crowley's uh, kind of description of how this relates, because he saw magic as an analogue of meditation, the circle on the ground, the, the banishing, is banishing distracting thoughts that distract you from the intention or your goal or your aspiration. Uh, and so in that sense, it's not a case of do the evil spirits exist or not. It's like there are certain kinds of tendencies in you that you're trying to tune out in a certain experience. 
Do you think you can be a regular or a psychedelic practitioner and uh, be an atheist? Uh, uh, yes, absolutely. But mainly because, uh, uh, I mean, I I don't identify as an atheist or a theist or anything like that because I've never found theism to be so um, important that it defines who I am. And I also think the way people talk about atheism and theism is not nuanced enough. It's It's like, you know, most people almost should be forced to go through at least one or two years of philosophical studies before they're allowed <laughs> to talk about that kind of stuff. Um, but it's, you know, even still you could be an atheist and go, I'm going to use a model where I have as my highest point the idea of divinity. But you don't even need it to be divinity. It could be transcendence. It could be anything. Um, and actually... Uh, I think identifying, again, like the use of maps, you use different maps for different purposes, they reveal different things, and they're weighed, their value is weighed in terms of what they reveal, what they don't reveal, what they allow you to do, what they don't allow you to do. So my question would be to someone who identifies as an atheist or a theist, what's the advantage of saying that's what you are? You know, What does that let you do that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise? What does that let you think that you wouldn't be able to think otherwise? Um, and then, and to kind of use Wilson's model agnostic approach, are you also able to adopt the framework of the opposite viewpoint and see what is advantageous about that, what that reveals? Um, and this is a practice. And again, the map is not the territory. Um, it's, it's just a way of looking at the world. It's a way of categorizing the phenomenon of your experience. Because when I went into my psychedelic uh experience uh, or my path uh, when I went, went into it I was a seeker but I, I was dead certain that I, I, I didn't call myself an atheist but I was dead certain of those mm. atheistic beliefs mm-hmm. and I wasn't even thinking about it when I was doing uh, it was ayahuasca uh, but uh, it was the ayahuasca who like I could not keep hold of that belief doing these ceremonies Mm -hmm. you know so I was converted in a sense Mm -hmm. but not into saying it's this god or that god but I I just know I'm not an atheist right right. I I know exactly what you mean I mean when I had my kind of key transformative experience I didn't identify as an atheist or a theist I would have identified as agnostic and you know I had a effectively like you say a conversion experience too but it made me a born again skeptic you know what I mean? Because I, it was like, wow, I've just had an experience that if I use the word God to talk about that experience, it makes sense. And I'm not talking about a man in the sky with a beard who gets pissed off if you masturbate. I'm talking about uh, a kind of transcendent experience. Um, and equally, you could describe it in, in different terms. You know, And like I say, it made me a skeptic because I was like, I did this to myself. This was through my will that I did this. And so um, that opened up a whole new dimension of understanding what this was about. And really, it isn't about beliefs. Beliefs are almost like clothes that we put on or instruments that we use to navigate in these realms. But experience is much more primal than uh, belief. And like you just said, experience will come way and come and wash away the most deeply held beliefs if the experience is beyond the limits of those beliefs. 
That's why I always agree, actually, with Richard Dawkins when he talks bad about God, because the God he's describing doesn't uh, fit the experiences I've had. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I can understand that. Uh, but Dawkins also... Um, uh, I wouldn't describe him as a very kind of nuanced philosophical thinker when it comes to religion, and I think he kind of makes generalizations about... Uh, a lot of what he says, uh, the vast majority of what he says about organized, institutional, faith-based religions is absolutely spot on, without a doubt. But that is not necessarily the key characteristic of religious thought. In fact, if you look deeply at mystical and magical traditions, it's typically not. And philosophically, um, you know, he's, let me put it like this, he's a brilliant, you know, biologist. He's not a brilliant um, philosopher of religion. You studied in Amsterdam, so have you spent a lot of time in the Rittman Library? Uh, no, unfortunately, I don't actually didn't get to go to the Rittman Library at all. Um, but 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 also, I was doing uh, modern, looking at modern. So I was looking at Crowley's work, and apparently, they don't even have uh, Crowley in the Rittman Library. Um, but we did have a, a microfilm of Crowley's archives in the uh, in the library in Amsterdam so I spent a lot of work or a lot of time looking at that if you ever go back you should definitely go to the Ritman library because they have some amazing alchemical text uh, works of art if you when you look at them very complicated uh, how they're put together definitely I know I mean I'm, an, I'm a, a philistine for not going um, yeah I will I will and I'll be back so uh, what are you working on currently uh, right so i you know, the talk I did today was kind of like a formulation of ideas that have been behind all the stuff I've been working on. I want to go back to uh, my te- my master's thesis from Amsterdam and kind of refine that and make that more um, accessible to people, which is basically about Crowley's use of peyote uh, and turn that into something publishable. And um, uh, yeah, I have an idea for another kind of research project um so the, the reason i'm talking about maps of consciousness is because um i think that's important for the future of psychedelic research and for the psychedelic advocacy and for psychedelic use uh and um yeah that's the kind of that's what orients me in terms of what work i want to do next when i was looking into different people's works to to find something uh Maybe I was unlucky because what I uh, stumbled upon with Crowley was this, I don't know if you know this, uh, his ritual of uh, uh, crucifying a frog. <laughs> and uh, that's when, I, okay, well, I, uh, I'll see if I find something else somewhere else. You know, like I kind of like went away from that. But uh, thinking of, it's always stuck in my mind and, and uh, I, uh, uh, whether it's literal or uh, philosophical, Ritual. It is uh, uh, interesting that I've in unknowingly adapted it because I, I have a tendency, or I've made a, a tradition myself of doing psychedelics uh, during the Passion every year and crucifying myself with the psychedelic. And maybe that's what he meant. That's incredible. That's very interesting. Um, yeah, I mean that particular ritual was linked to a particular kind of advancement or attainment that Crowley was working on at the time. Um, but that's a brilliant what you've just said that's a brilliant use of a, an existent map that has 
the notions of transcendence and death and rebirth in it. Um, that's brilliant. Uh, actually, death and rebirth, I forgot to put, say that in my, in my thing. Um, but it, that's, I suppose, a form of transcendence and a form of uh, boundary dissolution. Um, but, uh, again, with regard to Crowley, it's about reading. Uh, if you want to know what Crowley taught about magic and yoga, he has particular books that are technical books on that. That's what, what you read, you know. Have you been studying a bit about uh, Osman Osin's spare? Uh, no, not really. I'm not, not very familiar with his work. I've seen, you know, some of his art and read little bits, but not not. It's not somebody I'd be very well versed in at all. So, if people want to uh, check out your work, do you have like website or anything like that? Uh, I basically use uh, Academia, Academia.edu, and I upload my work there and put links to videos for talks and whatever. Um, and that's basically the the best place to kind of see my work at the minute. I might make a website at some point, but academia functions well enough for me right now. Well, thanks a lot for talking to me. Thank you very much. It was really nice. Thanks. Go to alteredconference.com to check it out in case you want to go there yourself next time it's on. You are humbly invited to support this podcast and by doing so, keeping it free from corporate influence. Do you want to listen to alchemists, magicians, shamans and psychonauts? Or do you want to listen to humans possessed by dark and demonic forces that intends to lure you into their web of consumerism? I'm sure you choose the former, so please support the podcast. Join us at the round table of the divine mystery as an intergalactic spirit warrior and ally to the glorious art of alchemy. Go to patreon.com forward slash naturalbornalchemist if you want to become a patron. And for only a couple of bucks a month, you will be able to access additional content, deleted episodes and other exclusive material as well. And be able to listen to episodes way before they are released. And if you don't want to do this, that's fine too. You are loved nonetheless. Thank you. Let's close this episode with the aptly titled track The Imaginary Grid. And the complimentary Oceanus from the album Maps by Nameless Archive. Go to namelessarchive.com if you want to hear more. All the relevant links will be posted in the program notes on naturalbornalchemist.com as usual. Take care, drive safe, walk safe, sleep safe. But don't live safe. No fear. Freedom is in the mind. Regardless of scales or type, all maps position the areas shown with relationship to an imaginary grid system that men have established on the Earth, a means for identifying the location of any point on the Earth's surface. The lines are designed as longitude and latitude. An understanding of this system is basic to map making. <laughs>